service uh, last week because I, I could tell while I was up here preaching here last week that some of y'all uh, were still asleep and didn't know exactly where you were. So I, I think one of the things that uh, I want to bring out is what we, uh, what we concluded with uh, at the end of the message yesterday, how Jesus told Mary to not to cling to him because we, we talked and we discussed how he was telling them that this was not over, that this was just the beginning of what God was really wanting to work in us and what God really wanted to do through us. And now that he has come and now that work of salvation is finished in our lives and finished in, in that work, it is available for the acceptance of the whole world. And so now Jesus wants to use us to make that message known. And so what I think for us to, tomorrow, I mean today, as we sort of forget those things, as we sort of uh, get off track, I, I think it's important this morning that we be reminded of what it is that Jesus Christ wants us to do. And I think that we all sit here and we all know what Jesus Christ wants us to do, but we keep delaying it, we keep putting it off, we keep deciding that we want to do other things. But this morning, I think it's time to get this party started. It's time for us to get moving with what God really wants to do through us. And I say that through us, through us as the church, through us as the individuals who accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, that we get busy doing and remembering what it is that God intends for us to spend our life doing. And the first chapter of Acts helps us. It helps us to draw our mind of what Christ wants to do in us. So let's read through these verses this morning as we, uh, as we meditate on these words and just think in our heart about how Christ wants to use us to make the great news of the gospel known to everyone in the world. So if you're in, the, in your Bible to the book of Acts, chapter 1, we're beginning with verse number 1. It says in the first book of Theopolis, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them, and after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during the 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying, and staying while them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, from John the Baptist, with water. Uh, I mean, you heard from me. Uh, from John, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on him, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into the heavens as he went, behold, two men stood by, by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into 
the heavens. Jesus, who has taken from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for your word this morning, Lord, and how it guides us, and Lord, and how it convicts us, and how it cuts through our hearts, Lord, like a two-edged sword. And so, Lord, I pray this morning as we hear your word that it cuts to our core, Lord. It cuts to our conscience, and it reveals in our hearts and our minds what you desire for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You can just imagine being in that room, getting to spend that time with Jesus and uh, getting to be one of his disciples. Now, it's important to remember in, in much of what we read here in Acts chapter 1, when he speaks of disciples, he's not only speaking to that group of 12, but there are also other disciples who are counted among them who were his not official witness, not among the apostles, not among those who were called for that special task that he called the 12 to, but were nevertheless followers of Jesus. And he wanted to give them this instruction as much as he wanted to give the 12. And this morning we should understand that he wants to give this message to us as much as he gave it to them. And the first thing that he wants us to get through the head, the first thing that we need to do to do what God has for us is that we need to, um, we need to receive God's teaching in our life. We need to see Jesus' teaching into our hearts and our life. Listen to what he says in these first three verses. When he's talking about, this is Luke talking about Theophilus to the one that he was written to, and not exactly for certain who he was, but he was definitely curious about what this way was and who this Jesus was. And, of course, we know he wrote in that first book, and he said in my first book, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day to which he was taken up. And after that, he had given commands to the Holy Spirit, to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them, and after his suffering, uh, after his, uh, suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during the 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Can you imagine being in that room? Can you imagine how much different it was to hear these teachings of Jesus, you know, now on the other side of the resurrection? And as they heard that Jesus preached before he died, they didn't understand what it meant to be a disciple. They didn't understand what Jesus was really there for. They didn't really understand that he had to die and why he had to die. And it really went over their head about this whole thing about the resurrection. They may have thought that he was a great military leader. They may have thought that he was coming to be the kingdom. But now that he is risen, now that he who sat in the grave, the one that they watched crucified, the one that they put into the tomb, now they see him alive. You just think about how much more those teachings sink in. You think about how much more they paid attention. And you know, the same thing is true with us. You know, a lot of times we will... We will sit and we will hear uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ preached about. And we can hear all these things that Jesus has done and all that Jesus wants to do for him. But they really don't resonate in our hearts, in our lives. And we just kind of sit here in our minds just kind of kind of wondering. You know, I'm telling, telling you, you know, we're going to be talking about the Sermon on the Mountain. We're going to be reading out the ESV. And all you're doing is sitting there in your minds thinking about KFC. And so... 
we, we think in our hearts and our minds and we hear all these things, but they don't really resonate. But when we experience Jesus in his resurrection, when Jesus really makes himself known, and a whole lot more, we pay a lot more attention. When we hear those stories and we hear those verses about God, how he saved us and sinners, you know, we want to get up and shout and we want to say amen because we think about what Jesus did in my life. When we read those verses about how, how Jesus healed the sick, we think about how times that Jesus has healed us in our sickness. And it brings joy. It brings a whole new meaning. We read about how Jesus brings the people through storms or how God is with us in our troubles. And now they all of a sudden, they, they hit harder because we think about how Jesus has brought us through the storms and how he has brought us through the struggles in our life. And so when we experience the teachings of God in the reality of what God has done in our life, it gives us energy. It gives us excitement. It should. It should give us energy. It should give us excitement. It should get us to want to do what God has in our life. And so we need to renew the teachings of Christ in our heart. We need to listen to him afresh and anew, not just reading the words on the page, but to think about what the resurrected Christ has done in your life, and in mine. We need to reflect. We need to reflect on what God has done for us. And he tells them to do a second thing, not only to reflect what uh, Jesus has done for you, but he wants to tell you, I want you to receive something. Listen to what he says in verses 4 through 6. And it says, while staying with them, uh, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the uh, promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. Jesus told him, I want you to wait. I want you to wait a few moments, because if you try to go out those doors with me gone, if you try to go out those doors and you try to take on them Jewish leaders by yourself, you're going to fail. If you go and try to take on all of these Roman, uh, all these Roman soldiers, if you go and try to take on all of this oppression, if you try to go and take off all this persecution by yourself on your own and try to do this, you will not make it. But I want you to wait for the gift of the Father. You wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit because He is the one who will empower you to do these things that I've commanded you. He is the one who will guide you in what I want you to do and where that I want you to go. He is the one to reveal and to bring into remembrance my word and what to say when you're sharing with those who are lost, when you're standing in the courts, when you're standing before the Sanhedrins, when you're standing there in the synagogues, when you're standing there before the church. It's my Holy Spirit working through you is your measure of success. And we need to remember how much we need the Holy Spirit. And isn't it good that he said that John baptized you with water, but I'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is coming not that far from today. And it wasn't very long before he did come. And praise be to God, 
that the Holy Spirit has come. And he leads us and he guides us in every day of our lives. But we spent so little time tapping into that resource. We spend so much time trying to do things on our own in the way that we want to do it, going where we want to go and doing what we want to do and making the decisions that we want to make instead of realizing that we are nothing, that we are helpless, and that we are doomed to failure without the Holy Spirit working in our hearts and our lives. Are you listening to the Spirit? Are you listening to the Spirit teach you? Are you listening to the Spirit guide you? Are you listening to the Spirit convict you? I pray that you will let the Spirit lead you. So I want you to receive the Holy Spirit, but He wants you to do something else. Look at verse number 6. It says this. It says, So when they had come together, they asked Him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed for his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and to all Judea and to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Listen to what he's saying. The disciples are saying, Jesus, will you at time establish your your kingdom? Is this the time to which you're going to come and reign here upon this earth? And, buddy, that's what we're looking to, and that's what we're looking forward to, and that's what we would like to come now. But Jesus wants us this morning to reflect. He wants us to remember, and he wants us to recommit to what God's commission is for you and me. The purpose of why you are still here upon this earth. Many of you are walking around, you got your bad knees, you got your bad heart, you got your bad hip, you got your bad head, you got your bad eyes, you got your bad nose, but you got brand new teeth, and you got, you know, your fake shoulder, you got your fake this and your fake that. You say, Oh Lord, why am I still here? Oh Lord, why don't you just take me home? The reason why you are still here upon this earth is to serve out Jesus' commission in your life, and that is to be my witnesses to Jerusalem, right here around you, to Judea, out here in the state, even Samaria, some of them places you don't want to go, don't, people you don't want to hang around with, and to all the corners of the earth. That is why you're still here. You know, you're not here so you can accomplish that great job. You know, you're not here uh, to get to your retirement age so you can go uh, retire on the island and sit in your chair and uh, sip on your little drink with the umbrella inside of it, but you're here to serve the Lord and to be His witnesses. And you say, like, I can't be a witness. I don't know much about uh, the Bible. I don't know much about theology. But listen to what he's asking them to do. He said, I want you to be a witness. And what is the witness do? What do witnesses do? The witnesses get up there uh, on the stand, or the witnesses are called there by the, the police there at the scene, and they ask them one question and one question only. They ask, what did you see? What did you hear? And that's all that Jesus wants us to do, to be his witnesses, to tell them what Jesus has done for your heart, what Jesus has done 
in your life, how Jesus has changed you. And a lot of times our trouble with witnesses, why we're scared about witnessing, is not necessarily because we don't know the right verses. It's because when we look at the, uh, the testimony of our hearts in our life, and if we look inside ourselves, you would say that Jesus really hasn't been very much a part of my life. When uh, they ask you, they call you as a witness, and they ask you, what have you seen Jesus do? And you look at them, well, I ain't seen nothing. Because he hasn't done nothing in your life. And so we should be busy conforming our hearts and our lives to God and allowing God to do things with us and through us. To go through some of the storms and to face them with the faith of God and to go through them like Jesus would do them, not like the world would do them. And so when someone calls you as a witness and says, what do you think about Jesus? You say, well, let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. Let me tell you what I've seen Jesus do. And when they ask you, well, I want to know if uh, Adam and Eve had a belly button, you look at them and say, well, I don't know, but let me tell you. Let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. That's the heart for us to be witnesses. And that as we go out, we live that commission of living our lives as God would have us to do. And then relating to the world what Jesus has done for us. Now, I want to ask you this morning, by raising of hands, has Jesus done anything for you? Anybody here that Jesus has done something for, raise your hand. Anybody? I see a few. And we pray that Jesus would do even more through us. So we'll always have a reason to glorify that we always give a reason to give the hope why we believe. We are called to be his witnesses. But sometimes we get off track. And so God wants us to refocus. He wants us to set our gaze. Listen to what he tells us in verse number 9. It says, And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out, of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the heavens? This Jesus, whom was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. You can just picture this scene. There at the ascension, you could see that Jesus, and as the glory of God shined upon him, as he gives those last words of his commission for them to be his witnesses, in those great words of encouragement that he gives us there in Matthew, that, Lo, I will be with you always, even to the ends of the earth. And as Jesus is ascending, as he goes up here, you can just, just imagine just the disciples just standing here, just in awe and curiosity, and their voice just goes up, and as they look into the heavens, and all of a sudden, he's gone, and they're just kind of looking up in heaven. They're looking up into the sky, and they're going, where is Jesus? Where is he at? You know, we need Jesus uh, here with us. We don't know what to do without 
out Jesus, and they're just kind of staring, and they're looking at their glory, gasping in the awe. And finally, two of the angels of the Lord look at them and said, Why are you just standing in the air? The Jesus whom I was just taking up is one day coming back. Why are you staring into the heavens? Jesus has given you a commission, and one day he is coming back for you. He's coming to take you back just as he has ascended into heaven. But not only has he's come to take you back with, you, with him, but he's coming to assess how you have lived out his commission in your life. But too many of us are just staring, staring in the glory, staring in the sky. I'm ready for Jesus to come back. Man, I'm tired of all these people. I want Jesus to come back. Where are you at, Jesus? I can't take much more of these Republicans. I can't take much more of Joe Biden. I can't take much more of these people at work. Jesus, just come back and take me home. And you can hear the angels of God say, Hey, look down here. Look down here. Jesus has gone to heaven, but you're still here. And I want you to look in this world and know that he has laid this before you as an open harvest field and has called you to your harvest. And one day he's coming back for you. But right now you're here. And as long as you're here, we are to set our gaze of our life on accomplishing God's commission in our lives. So, we need to reflect on Jesus' teaching. Receiving them anew as they're no longer words on the page, but they are encountered with what we've seen God do in our lives. And we are to trust in and to seek and to wait for the Holy Spirit's moving in our lives. We are to live out the commission and take hold of the commission to which God has given us. And we are to set our focus on this world, on that commission why he still has us here but there's still one more thing that we need to remember and it comes to us here in these uh closing verses as jesus is now gone they're waiting on the holy spirit and they're sitting there the scripture tells us in uh in the upper room and they're they're sitting and they're they're meditating and they're talking and they're and they're praying and you can just really kind of figure out their sense of, uh, of lostness, of what, you know, they, uh, don't, they don't really know what to do. You know, you think about sometimes that, uh, you know, you'll have a, a group, of, uh, group of friends or you'll have a family, and there's always that one that really seems to be the, the leader that kind of holds, holds the group together and tells uh, everybody where to go and uh, what to do. And they, they really kind of set the identity of the group, and you think that sometimes when that person gets up and leaves or, that person passes away and everybody's, and all those people are gone and y'all just kind of sit in the room and you just kind of stare around and look at each other like, what are we supposed to do? And that's the way they were, but they were sitting and they were praying and they were waiting for God and there was something, there was something that was still eating at them. There was something that was still bothering them. And it was really Judas. And they really couldn't process in their mind Judas. And he tells them there in uh, verses 15, uh, going through on, that finally 
Peter stood up, and it says in verse Peter, and Peter stood up among uh, the brethren, the company of the persons was in, was about 120, and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, uh, who, who became the guide for those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and walked, uh, walked through us and, to sh- and had a share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness. And falling headlong, he burst open into the middle, and burst open in the middle, and all of his bulls gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their language uh, Akabidia, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, may, th- may his camp become desolate, and let there be no one who dwells in it, and let another take his office. You can just imagine and see how that would eat it, ate at them. And it wasn't so much that Judas did what he did. You know, we've all been done wrong, and we can all kind of understand, hey, some people are just sorry, you know. But you really had to imagine that to think that they were thinking this. How and why? Jesus knowing all things. Jesus who could tell we, where we were. Jesus who could tell us all about all our sins. You know, why, why did he let Judas hung around? And through that time of studying in Scripture, Peter finally stood up and said, hey, we need to talk about this old Judas thing. And we need to realize that, hey, we may not understand it. But for the Scripture to be fulfilled, there had to be a betrayer. And that betrayer was Judas. And the scripture says that, hey, after uh, that betrayer betrays and uh, he is cursed and he is no more, let another one take his office. So we may not understand it all, but we know that God was in control and all that he foresaw it all. And his will was for that to happen. And now his will is for someone to take his place. And so they thought in their mind, okay, well, who's going to take their place? And that's the conversation they pick up in verse number 21. It says, So one of the men uh, who accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and went out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us as written uh, as a witness of his resurrection. And they put forward two. Joseph, uh, called Barashabas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, O Lord, who know the heart of all, show us which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and the apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. You want to think in that room, there was gathered about 120 people. And all of a sudden, you know, they said, look, we need to replace Judas. So we need another apostle. And so we are having open enrollment for those wanting to be apostles. And you can just imagine the excitement of the room of all those great men of God who would want to be apostles. 
And so they sat and they prayed and they set down some criteria. They said it has to be someone who was with us from the beginning, from the baptism, from Jesus' baptism to this day, someone who walked with us. And it's interesting for us to reflect that it wasn't just the 12. It wasn't just those who were numbered among his, his subcode disciples, the 12 disciples that were really a part of him. But there were also other men and other women who followed Jesus and who adhered to his teachings and who were witnesses and who were good people. And so there were a lot of people there who were qualified. And finally, they settled on two people. They, they sat on this guy named uh, Justice, and they had this guy named Matthias, and they were both of equal report. They were both equally qualified. And so they prayed to seek God, and they cast lots, knowing that the Holy Spirit would call that lot to pass on the one who was to receive this ministry, and it fell on Matthias. I wonder what, I wonder what old Justice felt about that. I wonder how much his heart sank. He probably would have loved to have been one of those apostles. But God in his wisdom chose something else. Chose another person, but yet chose another role for him. Sometimes we'll get in our hearts and our minds, you know, that we want to be something in the kingdom of God. We want to be a preacher. We want to lead music. We want to teach Sunday school. We want to do this, and uh, we want to do that. And that doesn't really work out for us. Either uh, they choose uh, someone else, or maybe uh, in Scripture it maybe disqualifies us for a particular service over another, or for whatever reason. And a lot of times we feel bitter, and a lot of times we left out, feel left out. But Jesus wants us to know through this story this morning that even though that you may not get that specific ministry or that specific position in the work of God that you want, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that God couldn't use you, that God will not use us. He has a desire to use each and every one of us for his work. When he lays out his commission, he lays it out for each and every one of us, but for each and every one of us, he has a different way for you to serve out that commission. Some of you will be preachers, and I pray that many of you would more would be called to be preachers. Some of you will be Sunday school teachers, and I pray that God would call many more of you to be teachers. Some of you uh, want to sing songs, and we pray that God would call more to, to sing songs. But notice that even if you don't get that spot that you particularly want in your heart, then you should allow God to use you in wherever he places you. He has a work for each and every one of us. But sometimes when we don't get the position that we don't, a lot of times we develop the heart of Judas. And we do like what they said he did. He forfeited, he abandoned, he despised, he rejected, and he turned away from what God had laid before him in the call, in the ministry, in the opportunity that was on his life. Know this morning that God has placed a calling on each and every one of us, our lives. He's given us all a commission, and he's given us all roles to which we are to play in that commission. Don't despise your calling this morning. Don't reject it. 
But this morning, recommit, revive that calling that God has placed in you. Remember and reflect on what God has done for you. Remember and listen to the Holy Spirit in your heart and accept the commission that He's given you and set your gaze on following Him this morning. I pray we all respond because God is calling all and so we all need to respond. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray this morning that each of us, our hearts will be open to what you'll have us to do, to how you wish to use us, every one of us, to fill your great commission. Whether it be something great or whether it be something small, all is great in your kingdom. And Lord, that we count ourselves honor to serve you this morning. Lord, let us be obedient to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand and